Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. So I say 25, 26 degrees by, say, Saturday or Sunday. Papers this morning are saying we're set to rival Ibiza with hot highs of up to 27 degrees. It could happen. It's a wonderful thing to walk out your front door early in the morning. Early in the morning, it's 18 degrees. There's something really lovely about that, isn't it? So the hottest temperatures of the year are uh, ahead of us this weekend as the mercury will continue to climb. We'll be like Ibiza or even better. And Mykonos are even better. So that's the story weather-wise. Um, you know, when they opened um, indoor hospitality, uh, well, when they do open indoor hospitality, it'll add to the coffers more than it already has for uh, bars and indeed gastropubs. Because the papers this morning are saying that Irish punters raised glasses to celebrate restrictions easing last month and spent 90 grand an hour on booze. Uh, booze boom as pubs reopened, albeit outdoors, I know, but, you know, it's still a... A hefty amount of dosh at 90 grand an hour. So they call it Ireland splashing out on the booze. And it's a story that also makes uh, this morning star. Uh, Michal Martin says, we, we, have to, we had to get off the fence, he's saying. Really, we just have to start moving forward and opening things up. And as cautiously, as carefully as we can. But we had to get off the vaccine fence, if you like. And the vaccine passes. I touched on this on the air yesterday, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. But um, the mail this morning leads with the vaccine muddle with regards to GPs been flooded with calls from people looking for certificates to prove that they'd had COVID. And of course, GPs aren't given that out at all. And this has to do with uh, 1.8 million certificates that will be delivered either in the post uh, this week and early next week or indeed by email. And I know loads and loads of people have got their certs by now. And that's a good thing for you if you're looking and waiting for them. But the pubs, pubs will be banned from letting customers drink at the bar sit at the bar or order at the bar but the time limits um, that's still up in the air you know the difference between a time limit if you're one metre apart and no time limit if you're two metres apart the independent was into that today but pubs rural pubs are asking to be allowed to serve customers at the bar particularly country pubs and to allow people to sit at the bar but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon what they've got They've got, and I don't think they're going to be much more given in the short term. Brian O'Neill at the Tap Tavern in Kinsale uh, makes the echo today because he says he's anxious to reopen, but he's worried that the cases and hospitalizations could rise again. And he's saying, and this is a publican saying that, incidentally, uh, around Christmas time, the numbers were around the same as they are now. And he says, we've been closed 16 months and nobody in the country say that can say that uh, the wet pubs are responsible. Uh, but if things go wrong they'll say it's the fault of the pubs. And he's kind of saying, wouldn't it be a good thing to wait a little longer? I hope to have an opportunity to speak to him later on. Mick Barry makes the papers today, the Solidarity TD, because he's saying that uh, indoor dining and indoor supping is being rushed through the doll rushed through the Shannad and rushed into Oris and Octuron. And he says the rights of the people aren't being listened to. And he says it's only the rights of the publicans and the restaurateurs and the people are being discriminated against on the grounds of health status. This two-tier provo- proposal was divisive, he said. When he talks of two-tier, of course, he is talking about those that have a vaccine cert and those that do not. Matty McGrath's in hot water, the Tipperary TD. He compared COVID-19's digital cert to something found in Nazi Germany. He says, is that where we've come to now, back to 1933 in Germany? We'll all be tagged in yellow with the mark of the beast upon us. Is that where we're going? Uh, He got a lot of grief over that when he said it, but more grief now uh, from the Auschwitz Museum 
who's widely condemned him for what he has said. So he's come under fire for that as well. And another person that's come under fire, you heard in the sports news there, is Bernard O'Byrne, who not from the first time has had to leave a role not of his own making, leaving, well, I suppose it is of his own making because of what he tweeted when he said black dives matter. Uh, but he has stepped down of his role as Basketball Ireland CEO. You need to be very careful. Don't they say if you're going to tweet something, if you're going to post something, think about it a little bit longer. Read it a few times before you push send. You know, the Wembley crush makes the papers today. Front page of the sun. I, lo- I like Harry Maguire. I, I just do. I just like Harry Maguire uh, as a person and as a footballer. But his dad apparently was one of those who were crushed by the yobs that stormed Wembley before the England final against the Italians. And he had his ribs broken, apparently. Uh, Wembley stampede crushed my dad's ribs. That story actually makes many of the papers in the sense of other sporting uh, issues with regards to taking the knee and what have you, particularly in the British tabloids. But when you talk of COVID, um, car traffic volume is almost back to pre-pandemic levels. And you can kind of understand why. God knows if you take the link into the Dunkettle roundabout, you see the amount of cars there. But that had as much to do with road works, works as anything else. And when the civil servants go back to work, well, that'll even be more traffic, won't, won't it? It answers my question yesterday. We were asking about the passport office and the motor tax and other things like that. Civil, according to the Independent today, civil servants have largely been working fully remotely since the start of COVID-19. And what they're trying to work out now is how civil servants could return to the office from next March um, in a hybrid plan. I mean, really, next March? Surely that's got to be wrong. They could be gradually returned to the office um, up in up to March of next year with a blended working arrangement. Uh, I suppose not unlike what many people would be trying to do in the private sector. A story we covered at length, actually, and that was criminal damage to 16 graves. You'll recall that. That's before the courts at the morning, at the moment. And uh, the man before the courts, a chap called Pat McSweeney from Douglas, he's being represented by, um, by Frank Buttermer. And um, he has said that he suffered from amnesia at the time. He was going through an awful lot of, uh, you know, issues in his life and was having a difficult time of it. And he was, uh, you know, tested recently by a, um, by a medic as to, you know, why he would do such a thing. The criminal damage cost um, a couple of grand or something when all of the headstones were assessed and he came with 2,250 euro compensation and he admitted himself to the, ho- to the Mercy Hospital almost immediately after it happened and he spent 10 days there being tested. So that's a story that makes all of the, the court reports this morning. I'm reading it from the, the Red Tops, but it's in the Examiner and the Echo as well. And then the lovely story we had on air of Bobby Lynch, beautiful guy, spokesman for the Taxi Council, leg amputated and we've set the GoFund me page up trying to raise money to help him to adapt to his new lifestyle that story makes the echo today and another one i'll come back to this morning is county councillors double claiming for expenses this was an rte prime times investigation god almighty i read it yesterday and the article was so long it was only so long because there were so many of them who claimed that they made mistakes and they realized their error and they'd paid it back uh, a lot of the time, I think, only when prime time came calling, though. But doubling up on dubious expense claims has not gone away. And they give some cases this morning. One involves um, a Cork County councillor, uh, Patrick Jared Murphy, who made two claims on the same at the same period. Uh, one was for €630 Euro for a 736-kilometre uh, trip. And at the same time, he put in an expense claim to the Cork Education and Training Board 
um, asserting that on the same day he was at another meeting 668 kilometres away and he got 558 euro for that. So the two of them on the same day. So that's disappointing that that kind of stuff is still going on, isn't it? Um, Also, the papers this morning talk about women being the biggest trolls. It's an interesting one, isn't it? As a female um, influencer makes the English Times this morning, she says that... um, There's a very dark side to the influencer business claiming that most of the abuse that she was getting and others like her came from grown women with actually very good jobs and seemingly very good lives. She said that women like her were being driven to depression and suicide due to being constantly, relentlessly attacked every single day of their lives for just existing. She said people hate influencers. They're angry at us making money and by and large it's other women And she says, uh, grown women with good jobs and seemingly good lives. Prince Harry and Meghan are going to possibly get an Emmy Award. So if it's an Emmy, then they must be claiming that the interview with Oprah was was a performance. And William Shatner from Star Trek never gets speeding fines. He says he speeds all of the time to get from A to B. He's constantly been stopped by road cops in America. And the and the cops say, What the heck? Well, They say expletives. Shatner, I can't believe it's you, man. And they let him go. He's 90 now and still speeding and never gets a parking ticket. (laughs) There's other colory stories that make papers today. I like this one of the most surprising habits that people discovered about their partners after they moved in together. Everything was rosy. Then you move in together and you discover the niggling, annoying things or habits that your partners do. Apparently, they surveyed a gangload of partners and the ones that are wrecking people's heads when they move in together is leaving the lights on, putting recycling into the wrong bin, opening windows when the heating is on. I'm scouring this article. Where does it say? Where does it say leaving the immersion on? Where does it say? The Neil Prenderville Show. There's lots more colory ones in the papers. A lot of them are food related, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. One or two springs to mind, apparently. You want to stay slim. Do you want to stay slim? Eat porridge. Ideally with hot water. Give up almond milk. Right? And stop eating and buying avocados. They're destroying the planet. If you didn't know, actually, with regards to almond milk, one almond nut produced in California needs 12 litres of water. There's something wrong about that. And really and truly, almonds, give it a rest, will you? Won't even start on avocados and the amount of illegal logging and land clearance and gangsterism and mafia involvement and cartels involved in the avocado business. Don't even start me on that. Anyway, we'll come back to all of that and lots more besides. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Now, one of the stories that we dealt with yesterday, I don't have the court report here, so I'll rely on, on what you're saying to me there, Emer, was the story of the court grandmother, Margaret Bottomer. Uh, she was before the court. It wasn't the first time she was before the courts earlier uh, at different times across the year for not wearing masks in different supermarkets. The sentences she got beforehand were all suspended, but she was back in court again uh, this week for another offence. And at this stage, this week, she got a 90-day jail sentence for repeated mask offences. 66-year-old woman um, was given the option by Judge James McNulty because she had the option to appeal it. And she said no. And the judge said, well, that is your right. 
not quite sure whether he said, I'm sorry to hear that, but he said, that is your right. Um, um, the whole deal was that the court had said that she'd shown very little regard to the safety of others when constantly refusing to wear a face mask in shops. So off to Limerick Jail she will go. Now, I don't know how long she will spend there. I don't think she'll spend anywhere near like that length of time. She might have spent a night there. She may have been processed and sent home because they know spaces in Limerick Jail. But yesterday, following that story on the air, Seamus Whelan took to the streets of Cork to ask people if the sentence was too harsh. Like there could have been other options, which could have been a substantial fine, for instance, or community service. But no, it was a 90-day. When you added up all of the suspendeds, it came to a 90-day jail term. Was that the right decision? We've all had to wear them. When our nurses have to wear PPE gear, why shouldn't she just wear a mask? So I don't really have much sympathy, I have to say. Well, maybe 90 days is a bit harsh, but I think she was blatantly doing it right, you know, to make a point, and so the point has been made and it hasn't gone in her favour. But you're none of us like wearing them, like. I mean, she, why is she any different to any of us? Yeah. Do you know? We all have to wear them and we don't like it. And do you think 90 days is a bit too excessive? It's a bit long, all right, I think. But, like, she's after going against them now, isn't she, once or twice, like... What we have to do is we're told if we want to get any normal life. And do you think uh, it might have been better to give her public uh, community service? Oh, yeah. She, she wouldn't wear one then. She wouldn't do either. that either, I'd say. <laughs> I think she just won't do anything. 90 days is probably a bit much, but if she's going to continue to flout the rules, something should have been done, I suppose, yeah. And do you think community service would have been better? Maybe, actually. That might have been better. Yeah, definitely. And maybe spreading the message about wearing masks and the safety and how to behave in public. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, she, she doesn't deserve that sentence. I think more of a community service. I think she should, uh, she should get a job where she's helping other people. Maybe walk down and penny dinners for a while. But where, the, people, where she needs, where the woman down there needs staff. But she's only doing this for attention and no more than that. She should have been wearing a mask. She has to think of everyone else, not herself. I just feel very strongly that if you're advised to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. Yeah, I don't know what the problem sometimes is. Sometimes we forget to wear one and then we yeah. put them on straight away. Then. She should obey the, the rules and protect everybody else. It's simple enough, in my opinion. Would she have been better off getting, I suppose, community service? Oh, probably, probably, but she should definitely have been punished in some way because sure, if, if everybody did that, we'd be all the hospitals would be well and truly overloaded. So there must be some rules, like every rule in society. But she obviously showed a blatant disregard for any justice system, any, and she didn't care. That woman got 90 days in jail, and all the gangsters in the country can spend no time in jail. We live in a wonderful, corrupt country. I think it's a lot for. For what she's done, if she is guilty of anything, like you know, be, you'd be a similar age to America, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, like, how would you fancy spending ninety days in? Well, I wouldn't prison? like it at all. But then I'd have to accept if the rules are the rules. You know, it's a very fine line, isn't it? You know, I can see both sides of the coin. Really, I don't like to be taught anything, and at the same time, I suppose we have to live by rules and regulations at the moment. I know again the rules are rules but that's they had done here like 90 days for an old lady that, that's not good I think it's a bit ridiculous I won't wear a mask what's it going to do oh, everybody that won't wear a mask with a right not to wear a mask they, they cause bacteria and fungal pneumonia and of course once you've got pneumonia in the hospital and they happen to find Covid in you it's another Covid case I'm sick of the whole thing 
I don't think she should have been in court in the first place. I don't believe in this COVID. If it, if it wasn't for the media, you wouldn't know there was a COVID on, you wouldn't know there was any pandemic. And if you can't tell other than what you're being told on the TV and radio and Facebook, if that's the only way of knowing there's a pandemic, it's a weight pandemic. If you're being told over and over again to do something and you know the consequences and you don't do it, then maybe, but putting someone behind bars for not putting a mask on also seems excessive, like, you know, it's kind of see both sides of it, I suppose, if you're told over and over again. But yeah, if there's something wrong about not putting something around your face, you then end up behind bars. It doesn't seem right either, like, you know. But look, this is a complex situation and there's nuances about everything, so it's it's not as black and white, you know, everything's different. I mean, like, you're putting them in jail with people that are in jail for flipping God knows what, and, they're, and she's in beside them. That's excessive. So, yeah, community service, maybe. That's in the streets of Cork yesterday with Seamus Sweelan. Thank you, guys. Following the jailing of a grandmother in Bandon for 90 days for not wearing a mask in shops, it is imperative that judges and the judiciary are also monitored to ensure they are mask-wearing compliant at all times. As you know, masks have a way of slipping, and we do not wish to see any sending each other to the clink, says Robert. I wonder if he's referencing there, masks have a way of slipping. Uh, the fact that there was a, a golf, uh, there was a judge, a very senior judge at, at Golfgate. Uh, I know that seems like decades ago, but it was still during COVID and it was when people were very clear on what they should and should not be doing. But nothing happened whatsoever with regards to uh, anybody from the point of view of um, you know, criminality uh, at Golfgate and there was people from all sorts of different walks of life at that. But anyway, just a thought I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, Neil, she is in prison because she didn't do what she was told to do by the government and the HSE. The same people that left the elderly die gasping for breath in nursing homes, but you won't see any of them sent to prison. Welcome to the Banana Republic run by a three-party regime. Uh, another one here, uh, Neil, if she gets COVID and needs a hospital bed or a ventilator, will she refuse them as well? And just two more. Human rights has gone out the window, forced to wear a mask and forced to be vaccinated unless you don't want to enter a shop or a pub ever again. It's an absolute joke. The men that fought for the freedom of this country will be turning in their graves. One final one in last night's Echo. There was an article stating the uh, the women's prison is completely full. It will be interesting to see will they make room for her. Someone with multiple convictions may avail of the revolving door system to free up a space for Ms. Butmer. Uh, let's see how vindictive the state is on mask wearing compared to someone, say, for instance, with a larcenary, larcenary uh, conviction. Thank you for that, Bobby, uh, and all of the texts. Text 0868104106. And one quick one ahead of the break. I'm by no means an anti-vaxxer, but I do expect, uh, respect people's rights to refuse the vaccine if they wish to. I feel that this vaccine passport for indoor dining is just the start of us living in an extremely controlled state. To say that we have been compliant is an absolute joke. We are in some sense being ordered to get the vaccine. I myself would uh, like to get vaccinated, but on medical grounds have been advised not to by doctors. That's interesting. This means that I cannot dine indoors based on my medical history, and surely that's discriminatory. They have said there is a sunset time on this law that would end on the 9th of October, but also mentions an extension of three months could be sought. This means I could effectively be not able to enjoy indoor dining with family and friends till 2022, all because I cannot get the vaccine. If uh, it is sad, it has saddened me that this is how our country is now treating its people.
And that's from uh, email uh, to neil at redfm.ie. Calls on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at neilredfm. 104 to 106 Red FM. Lots of stuff happening actually to give us encouragement to be quite honest with you. Aiken Promotions are teasing online with a very short kind of a tease video about some concert announcement at Parky Cueve and they're going to do the reveal later this week and they teased what seems to be a concert um, involving a, a star or an artist or a band with the letter E. It's a short video and opens with a shot of the GAA Stadium, right, Parky Cueve. And then there's a glimpse of a ticket kiosk with the letter E changing into the word ticket. But the letter E then comes up when they show the seats in row E. You know, that kind of stuff. And then the, the teaser ends then with the E emblem once again. And the time of the announcement this week, 8 a.m. on July 15th, which is tomorrow morning. So there's some gig being planned by Aiken at Parky Creek. We don't know when, we don't know who. But if it's E, <laughs> what do you think? Elton? Elton John, maybe? So I love that kind of thing. And Benny McCabe has the builders in and the painters and decorators into the PAV. And he's posting some great pictures as well of the beautiful ceiling, the iconic ceiling of the PAV. And he's got a post up saying, the old lady's coming back to life. Tis all happening in Cork. Lots of great stuff coming for the city. So there's a couple of examples of how, I suppose, green shoots, if you like, and he's going to do it. I'm going to talk to Benny McKay about the PAV soon, exactly what, what plans he has for it. But he's in there, um, giving it a bit of love and attention um, and bringing the, as he says, the old lady back to life. And there has been some live gigs on Lee's side. Um, and this is great news. It's all very positive. And Secret Garden, which is outdoors, has had not the painters and decorators in, but the musicians in. Um, and the first one that did a live gig there was Gerald Ahern. He joins me by phone, the great Gerald Ahern. Gerald, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, so tell us all about it. Um, when did it happen? Who was there? What was it like? Yeah, um, it's obviously, it's been, I, I haven't really played any music since last March, but um, I just, I had got the phone call that they were planning to do some live music. So on Monday, I got to play in the Secret Garden, um, just on top of Rardens in Uh All parts of their kind of, in terms of there's, there was a lot of um, precautions in place, but to an extent, it was a live gig, and, and there was people there, and it wasn't exactly what you'd hope for a live gig to be. But um, there was people there, and they were singing along, and I got to do it for the first time in a long time, which was amazing. So you played five to seven um, on Monday. Yeah. Uh, the Roaring Forties played five to seven on Tuesday. Andrew Foley plays today. Ryan Nugent. Um, tomorrow is it, is it single artists like because the Roaring Forties an entire band yeah, would, would yeah. the whole band so have I been think, there um, like you know I I myself I play in a full band as well but um, obviously if you if you uh, want to keep you know you, you, the numbers have to be exact including staff I suppose and people inside uh, that are sitting down so um, I I played on my own uh, I I did half my set on the piano half my set on the guitar. And um, but hopefully as things, you know, lift more and, and go and this is a good step in the right direction, I suppose. Okay. And what, was, what was the reaction? I mean, clearly you remembered all of the chords, the notes and the lyrics, did you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a muscle memory. <laughs> How many were at the gig? I think uh, in the venue they were allowed to uh, have 50 in the venue. And how do they pick them? I mean, it's, it's, not against, it's not the vaccinated against the unvaccinated or anything, is it? 
No, I think as long as you have an outdoor um, area that that is big enough, you can accommodate to it in the perfect in the right way. So um, I sorry, um, yeah, I think you just go online and book. And you, as long as you leave your your name and number, and in case of there is any contract tracing or anything like that, I think you're good to go. So if anyone is free today or tomorrow, you know there there is two other uh, live acts going on, and um, it'd be amazing to see the support there for it, you know, because it's been such a long time. And so, I do think, yeah, as backwards the situations are at the moment, and like even even. I, I've been out myself, you know, in in outdoor dining at the moment, and some places have had, you know, DJs which and stuff like that, which doesn't count as live music. Yeah. What's the difference between a DJ going up, playing a few tracks, and me on a guitar up there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so jocks have been playing at outdoor venues for a while, have they? I wasn't aware of that. I think I think so. Yeah. I. From what I've known, there's few, there's few enough of them anyway, I suppose, because yeah. uh, by by and large, the outdoor is for food. Were people eating at the at the gig? Yeah, there was, there so was people eating. Why and, don't uh, more, why that we've got fabulous places outdoors now? Why aren't they inviting musicians along? And I suppose it, I it, think a big part to play in this meal was that it was also supported by the um, the Department of Culture and uh, Tourism um, and Arts because. Uh, there was also people there uh, that were looking after, they filmed the whole thing. So for anyone that didn't manage to get in and stuff like that, that it will be uh, shown as well online. Um, so not many places aren't getting the funding to do so. Yeah, but they've got the blessing of the various government departments, have they? NIFID and the HSC and departments of tourism yeah, and, and all that. Um, that's 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 another whole part of it, I suppose. But um, you know, in a sense, I I I think that they looked after it very well, and um, and it went as as perfect as possible, I suppose. Yeah, so there was nobody leaving their tables or going over to other tables well, or dancing <laughs> in groups or hugging or anything like that kind of thing. Well, it, well, there, there was there's bouncers there and everything. So <laughs> you can try. I don't, I don't know where that will land. That's probably outside the front door. But. Nah, everybody. People were people are responsible like that. You know, they understand. Yeah. You know what's being and it asked. Was very of them. early as well, which is another thing, I suppose. And uh, if 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 you are a person that can get up and go into. Uh, into town at half four in the day to support live music like yeah. that, especially on you know obviously I'm I'm considering even if you went online and booked that you're 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 not going to go crazy in there like yeah I know it's a fiver actually to book that's the cost yeah. of the ticket so it must have felt great to be doing a live gig have you any more planned or where are you at with that like I know the Opera House did a trial trial event didn't they they had some concert on yeah. didn't they. Yeah, well, I tell you now, I'm actually booked in for a festival in Sligo in called the Wild Roots Festival in um, in August, and Kaiser Chiefs are playing there, and James uh, Morrison, and I ho- hopefully I don't. It doesn't really look like it right now, but they're still they're still up there building the stage every day right now, and hopefully that may go ahead. Maybe it might be one of the first. If there has been trial gigs already, there's like. Even though it does sound like the first bit of live music that in in the city centre, there is quite a lot of gigs going on around Ireland. Um, you know, there was one there recently with Gavin James, and there's an arts festival in Kinsale last. But how do, just explain how does that work? Is it for people who've had a PCR test, or is it people who've been vaccinated, um, or or what? I think there's like a like there is probably a whole situation behind it. If if you've seen pictures and stuff, these gigs have pods almost. Yeah. 
and yeah. there's all gated off sections for a certain amount of people and stuff like that um, so I saw that at some pubs actually I got a bit of a, uh, a, a kind of a shuddery moment when I was watching the Euro and they went to some pub somewhere where everybody was segregated in what looked like to me things you'd put cattle into it didn't look yeah, the greatest it, but it, knees it, must it, I suppose I, in, 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 in retrospect I suppose that like if this is what needs to be done and it is a right step in the right direction. You know, if there are the precautions we have to take, absolutely, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to mark the fact that yeah. somebody's playing live and, you know, you, you were the first to do it, as far as I know. I mean, we see the buskers on, on the streets and everything, but, um, you know, and, and they've been doing their thing. I see them playing away there at the weekends, but at least, uh, you know, some venues have decided to make that kind of ginger, and tentative step. In the terms of, uh, hopefully, you know, um, if people, other bars and places, correct, can, can follow these, follow the, uh, the the right what 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 needs to be done to have these things go ahead, and hopefully more things like this will happen, you know. Uh, and because you know everyone has sort of got back to work in some sense, you know what I mean. And, and I it's time for heard. yeah, it's time for the mu- for musicians and the arts. And you know, I mean, mightn't be out of the ordinary to suggest that people would be might even happy to pay a euro or two on their bill or, or something or you yeah. know some way of paying the musicians as I say like even you know I've been on to you a couple of times this year and I, and I you know I lost my mum this year everything yeah. over the COVID period yeah. and, and in terms of the main thing I wanted to do to just get my life back on track I just wanted to go back doing what I love and sadly that wasn't the case and you know being up there now on Monday and having people sing the songs back just gave me that that uh, lease of life again. You know what I mean? That that was brilliant to to have. Well done. So well done. Hopefully there will be some some more opportunities like that and um, and. Yeah, that's, okay. that's about it, really. All right, delighted for you. Thanks so much. Good to catch up. Well yeah, done on the you. gig. Bring it on. Cheers for now. That's Gerald Ahern, Cork singer, songwriter. Uh, I don't know what the what the state of play is with regards to Andrew Foley's gig today or Ryan Nugent's gig uh, tomorrow, but you can book online. Just go on to Reardon's, www.reardons.com. No, Booking fees of Fiverr. If there are places left, you just might be able to snaffle one. Back after the break, and we'll squeeze in a Gerald Ahern's tune as well. Back after these. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851 Red FM. Uh, a couple of West Cork related texts here. We were asked by three foreigners on Friday in Bantry how do we get to Sophie Toscan de Plantia's house? I said I did not know and I said that the people of the area need to be left in peace. Uh, the documentary is of course going to make things high profile and people will want to go and see the places. Uh, you can't stop people no matter what signs you put up uh, out of respect, etc. Um, so that's somebody who actually was stopped by what they're calling murder tourists. Uh, and another one from West Cork. I just want to help out Katrina here. Just a quick one. She says, I'm looking for suggestions for day trips in West Cork, which are wheelchair friendly. I would love any new ideas of places to take my 12 year old son, says Katrina. Wheelchair accessible, wheelchair friendly. So people in the know, particularly if you're down west, what would be recommended in that regard? Text 0868104106. Something that would blow the mind of a 12-year-old, I think, would be the uh, Railway Museum in Clonakilty, the indoor and outdoor aspect of it and the whole recreation of Clon with rail and the old town and stuff like that. If you haven't been there, I think your son would certainly love that. Um, anyone, you know, we're talking about the theory test. We were talking about driving tests, passports, issues like that. Uh, just listening to your show, talking about the theory test. I booked mine on the 8th of June last year. 
and they have been constantly rescheduling the exam ever since then. Still waiting. 13 months later. It's absolutely ridiculous, says Ronan. And real, Neil really needs to educate himself and look, off, look up the HPRA website. Have a real look at the adverse reactions and deaths reported in this country from the COVID vaccine. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I certainly will have a look at that when I get off the air a little later on. Um, we were talking yesterday with people, uh, particularly Box of Kindness, Charlene, who got hacked by some guy who wanted 10 grand to give her back her business Instagram account. Um, she's heartbroken from it. I bought from Charlene a few times in the last years and she has been a, has a fantastic business an amazing personality to bring her back. It will bring her back even stronger, says Jill from Atlantic Social. But she's not the only one this has happened to. Joanne, good morning. Hi. You, you, your Instagram account, morning to you, your Instagram account, is that for fun or is it for business? A bit of both. So I started it in 2019 just for a bit of fun. And um, I lost my job last year due to COVID and just started doing it then for as a as a serious job just to keep myself going. And what were you COVID. doing? What were you doing? Fashion. Good for so, you. So uh, I started, as I said, in 2019 with 200 followers and I got it up to 15,000 when I lost it. Four weeks ago. Okay. What what were you selling fashion or um, showing fashion no. or, or what? Yeah. So um, I was getting. In, so I always had a passion for fashion with college and stuff, and uh, I just put up. Um, I started when I went on holidays, just putting up um, nice uh, dresses or whatever I was wearing, and then um, I I just started getting involved with brands. Then they started messaging me. And things were going well. Was it starting to make money? Yeah. So um, in the last uh, three months since I started doing, getting popular on uh, Reels, so uh, the same thing as TikTok, so putting up videos that, and just doing transitions and stuff with okay. that. Okay. So and just, did you click some rogue link or do you, do you know how you got hacked? Um, so I did a collaboration brand with, um, and they asked me to do um, a hundred euro voucher from my a giveaway for my followers. So I was kind; they were kind enough to do that, and um, I put all this all up. Um, it was up for a week, and um, I was getting fake accounts. Uh, my followers were sending me messages that they were getting followed by fake accounts. And the day after the um, the giveaway was over, I uh, woke up the next morning with a thousand bot followers on my account. So what are, what are uh, they? Are they fake accounts? Is it? Yeah, fake accounts. So these accounts were made by someone. I don't know if it was a big company or what, but these would send any time my profile was on public. Um, they'd send these followers up to a thousand in less than an hour. So if I left then, I'd have 30, 40,000 followers within weeks, but it would ruin the engagement. And the followers that I did have that were real would never see my post. So that was just a reason I had to start a new account. It was like an attack. It was an assault. Um, so nobody came to you looking for money. They just destroyed your Instagram account. With junk and, and fake followers and rubbish. 
Yeah, so it just literally looked like that I was buying my followers, which wasn't true at all. Right, okay. So so you, nobody got in touch with you saying, we've hacked you, we want money to put it right? No, um, mostly the only people that contacted me was um, fake people, um, like sending me emails being like, you bought your followers type thing. That was the only emails I was getting from people. So did you have to shut it all down? Because you couldn't weed out all that junk, surely. I contacted so many people. I contacted people, ask, um, any IT people. I was contacting uh, a lovely girl of my followers actually sent me a message asking me, would she check with her friend that worked in Instagram? And Instagram didn't even care. It was like your account, your mess. We can't do anything for you. So did you have to start from scratch then? Yep. So I started three weeks ago. Um, So I've gotten my account now back to um, nearly 4,000. It's a bit, I mean, it's similar to bricks and mortar being burgled, isn't it? Or somebody going into somebody's business and robbing all of their stock. Yeah. Isn't it? It's going back to nothing again. Like no brands want to collaborate with anyone under under 10K in some way. So it's literally starting all over again with no one really um, knowing what you're doing or anything. Did it get you down? Must have got you down. Yeah, of course. Uh, Building all this up and having so many people love you for who you are. You know, I was never the person that ever believed that I was anything other than being myself and that was the hardest part that you know you built all this up and then it's gone hold on there a second if you will because adrian thinks that it may not be is that what you're saying adrian i mean i had you on speakerphone is that all right no it's not not actually that is a jailable offense okay one second as you want to go to jail Take it off okay, speed. can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely, loud and clear. So just pick up on Joanne's situation or others like that. You're you're indicating that this can be reversed, is it? Absolutely. So, Neil, basically what happened to me is just to kind of like paint a kind of a quick timeline. I was on holidays in Benidorm about two and a half years ago and I flew home, uh, especially for the Shania Twain concert, which was in Dublin at the time, right? So flew home for that and went to the concert and was staying in accommodation in Dublin. Woke up the following morning. And I had three emails and uh, there were just kind of three Instagram notifications. Didn't take too much notice of them. Didn't even read them, to be honest. But later on that day, traveling back, um, I was on Instagram and just basically tried to get into it. And the account was logged out and I kind of discovered pretty quickly that um, I was no longer logged in. Tried to log in, the password was incorrect. Um, and then I, I kind of like just, you know, obviously a little bit of a bell chimed, checked the email, read them and they were notifications saying... Uh, you have changed your password on your Instagram, you've changed your email, you've changed your phone number. Um, none of those things which I had done. So clearly I had been hacked, right? So I went through a process for about two, three weeks um, of losing my mind. I'm a singer, um, you know, you may or may not remember, I'm not quite sure if you do, but I'm a singer and that's basically my livelihood or, or was up to COVID and hopefully will be again soon. And my Instagram page, um, while I wouldn't have had the volume of followers that Joanne and Charlene had, um, I certainly would have had, you know, well over one and a half thousand and it was going to be useful kind of avenue to kind of put up content and things like that, yeah. right? So it was something that I needed. It also had a lot of personal content that I wasn't prepared to lose and I wasn't happy to lose. So I can completely understand um, people thinking that all is lost. However, it isn't. After about two or three weeks, 
of trying going through the usual channels where whereby by the way uh, you're you're literally talking to either robots um, or you're getting automated emails back asking you to send this that or the other thing in which case it, it's pointless because what's actually happened is they've changed every single aspect of your account so even when you are contacting support your email no longer matches with what they have so yeah, they actually technically don't know who you are yeah yeah. Absolutely. So for me personally, that wasn't going to happen. Um, I know I can understand that some people may or may not kind of, uh, you know, know the kind of avenues to take. But I contacted a friend of mine who has to remain nameless, but uh, a friend of mine who's in cybersecurity asking for some information. Uh, she's a personal friend as well as, you know, someone I know for years who's extremely intelligent and, you know, very well versed in coding and uh, lots of other things. And I basically said, look, I'm stuck here. Do you know what we can do? So thanks to her, she had this ingenious idea. Um, why don't we contact Instagram's London press office? say that we're, um, you know, or that I, her rather, uh, I'm a freelance journalist that we're writing a piece um, on Instagram security that we have an example of an account that's been hacked and we want to be able to write about a positive experience or a positive outcome from Instagram and so we want to try and get this resolved. They immediately put us directly in touch with a support agent, a personal a personal person, an actual person with a, with a name on the email rather than Instagram support. We had a thought in two days. So did they oh, give you back your um, password, your email? Absolutely. They were absolutely. able to do that, even though it had been hacked. They were, they were able to give them back to you. Yeah, absolutely. So what they have... So why can't in, they you know, give it back? Why couldn't they give it back to Charlene yesterday? Well, they can. They can. This is just it. The thing is, is that when you're contacting Instagram in the usual channels, right, um, you know, there's, there's basically, they have so many of these hacks. And there's quite a bit of background work involved. What they had to do in my particular case was they had to basically go back to a point in time on their server when my account had not been hacked. Gotcha. And they basically had to take an image of my account from then and restore it from that. Okay. So okay. When, I, when, I, when I initially got access to my account, I had no followers. All my content was gone. There were three pictures of uh, a naked individual on my account. That was it. The name, the name had been changed. That wasn't my account at all. I said, look, thanks for getting me back in, but this is not my account. So, so Instagram can kind of clone it back. Absolutely. Okay. Let okay. me just let me just confirm um, if Charlene is listening and if Joanne is still on the line. I can I can assure you that if you get in touch with me, um, I can give you the information as to the channels that we went down. This was two years ago, so they they will. Well, not listen, remember. I most definitely will put you in touch with Charlene. Yeah. And and I imagine Joanne will be interested too. Would you, Joanne? Oh, definitely. Um, but as I said, um, when we contacted Instagram. Okay. Okay. They said there was nothing they could do. Okay, but it's it's worth a long shot. And in your case, Adrian, did anybody in Charlene's case they were looking for ten grand? Did anybody come to you looking for money? You know, not at all. So I think what? I think at the time, two two and a half years ago, Neil, I think that really just wasn't the way it was going. What they had done in my particular case was they're basically trying to get a real account which has a credibility attached to it, and they're trying to use that established real account then to basically uh, dupe other people. In turn, they just want an account regardless of the amount of followers. I think the activity that's kind of going down nowadays is slightly different. You've seen it with the HSC, you've seen it with various... They're other looking things. for money to Hacking, give it back to. is evolving. Yeah, yeah but just, just oh. to reassure uh, Joanne that I know she got the response that she got. I do understand that, but that was the generic Instagram response. What we got was something very, very, very different. Okay. Um, I have okay. the details of the press office and I can assure her that um, she can definitely go down that same Okay, road. guys, I'll get, I'll get numbers swapped there and hopefully we can have some resolution. It might be a happier time ahead. Thank you for that, Adrian and Joanne. I'll put you in touch with Adrian and Charlene as well. Lines open at one 106 Back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sports.
sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. You're listening to the Emerald Award-winning Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Now you can text 0868104106. He'll come back to texts and emails throughout the course of the morning. Got a handwritten letter, and it's a good. I have two different examples of how difficult sometimes it is for a woman. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, on her own, sometimes in, in a family unit to, to rear a child or to do best by their child. This is a handwritten letter that I got in recently. I'm so cross with our government and how little they think of family carers. I look after my adult son. With a, he has very high care needs. Because carer's allowance is means tested, I was only getting 30 euro. But I was also getting a free travel pass and the much needed respite grant. So 30 euro, care for her son full time, high care needs. Fabulous woman doing wonderful work. She also got the free travel pass and the respite grant where her son would go into respite a couple of times a year. Anyway, a few weeks ago, I was again reviewed and they took my carers off me because of my husband's income. I can't work due to caring for my son full time. I am just so hurt by this country, by this government. It's not just the money. But to think how worthless I am to the government, all through the fact that I'm saving them thousands of euro a year by caring for my son at home. In the letter they sent, I was told in the letter, return my free travel pass. To get next year's respite grant, I have to reapply, go to my son's GP, fill in the form, and social welfare will then decide if I get it or not as it's not means tested. They'll make the decision. So after caring for my son all of his life, I now have to start from scratch again. Regarding his illness, it's not like there's been a miracle or that he's improved. He hasn't. I mean, okay, take my carer's allowance, the 30 euro, but please don't make me have to reapply for the grant that I've been getting for years, the respite grant. And bear in mind, if my son happens to be in hospital on the first Thursday in June, you lose the whole year's respite grant. You just could not make this up. Why is this allowance means tested at all? The likes of Bono gets a children's allowance. Why take everything off me? And here are the carers who can't get their allowance. I hope you get to read this out. I'm a very sad and very angry carer. And that came in by post from Mary. I remember reading that and, and also looking at the, the case of Sam, uh, who sent her child to her parents uh, because, uh, I'll, I'll explain this story in a few minutes' time a little bit more, but I wonder who makes these calls. If they're, Are these automated, made by a system that automatically sends out a letter? Or is there somebody in the public sector that actually sits down and makes these decisions and then goes home and gets on with their life or sleeps soundly at night in bed? I, I just can't believe how sometimes we can be so harsh and so unkind. I know that sometimes there's untoward stuff going on, and, and that was actually the accusation against this um, this story involving a woman by the name of Sam. It's not her real name, but I saw this online, and then I saw that an, organi- an organization that supports single parents called Spark came to her assistance. Um, and it involves a situation that arose because of where she was working and the different and the, and the time of the year that we live in. But rather than me reading out the entire post, uh, I thought I might get in touch with Louise Bayless. We spoke to Louise before. She's a spokesperson for single parents acting for the rights of kids. Spark. And they told the original upsetting tale on their Twitter page from a woman that they changed her name to, to Sam. And Louise joins me by phone. Louise, good morning. Good morning. How so, are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, 
I don't know whether you heard that other story that I read I out did, there. I did. I was just listening there. Appalling. Isn't it appalling that you would do that to somebody who, who literally yeah. is minding her son, saving the state tens of thousands, and yeah. they're getting antsy over 30 euro? Uh, to me, to me, it's always been wrong. The care allowance is means tested payments. I mean, if you're doing a job, you're doing a job. I, I, I don't understand why it's means tested. Send yeah. your travel pass back. Oh, and by the way, we're taking the respite grant away as well. It's yeah, just so heartless. It's, it's, and it, as the lady said herself, it would make you feel devalued for all the work she's doing. She's working harder than you or I are working, and she's getting no even recognition of that work, and that's very sad. It, Yes, she feels as if she's not valued as a society citizen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, With regards to Sam, rather than me read it all out, just tell us the story behind it. Yeah, Bill, Neil. So Sam is a lone parent. She has a 10-year-old daughter and she works uh, 25 hours, 22 hours, something like that a week. She works basically 9 to 2 every day while her child is in school. And she's able to manage doing that and then she gets a small top-up payment, a job seeker's transitional payment to supplement her part-time wages. And that's the best way for her to work because if she worked full-time, She'd have to pay high childcare costs. They have to still costs are very expensive, as you know. So this is the way she manages to just about get by. Like, no extra money, but she gets by. She has a small mortgage on her apartment, and she manages everything. And she relies on that job seekers transition payment. How, how, uh, how much? Do we know how much it is? Is it a very I do, small? I do. It's, it's, it's about 150 a week. Okay. And that's... And that supplements her part-time wages. Okay. So okay. it brings her to about a hundred and a four hundred euro a week, and out of that she pays her mortgage and lifts. So there's no room, there's no wiggle room there. And and basically then, um, she, you know, she's costing the state very little because she's paying her own housing and she's doing everything right, and she's trying to manage her childcare. But when the summer months come. Her options are, are very limited. And, and, you know, even at summer camps, they're 100, 120 euro a week. And she does not have that money to pay, that additional money. That would mean they'd be going without food. So the option that she's been using for the last few years is that she, her parents live 260 kilometres away from her. And she drives her daughter up to them. Uh, and the daughter stays for the two months of the summer uh, with the, the grandparents. And Sam tries to get up and down as often as she can. You know, petrol costs. And whatever, Weekends. But she yeah. tries to get, yeah. But no, it wouldn't be every weekend because of the cost of petrol, but every second weekend. And it breaks her heart. I mean, they're very close. As you can imagine, two two people sharing an apartment, just the mother and daughter, very close bonds. Um, and it breaks Sam's heart to have to do this every year. But she has done it. Now, oh, during COVID, she... Um, she has an underlying condition, as does her daughter. So they were very much shielding and they were keeping themselves to themselves. And as a result, she ended up spending Christmas Day on her own as well. And um, she couldn't see her parents because they had underlying conditions too. But one of the positive sides of COVID, if there is any positive, was the option to work from working home. remotely. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Working, working remotely from home and she took that option, yeah. She took that option, so she thought this year, perfect example, that she would be able to go up to her parents' house, work remotely. She checked with her employers. They had no issue with it once the work gets done, and her parents would mind the child while she was working, and then they'd have every afternoon together. And it seemed like the perfect option, until a social welfare inspector called her up and said, you didn't come to the appointment I set you up for today. So she moved to her parents' house 260 kilometres away and was working remotely and a letter came 
to her own home while she was away. Exactly. Now, she, when I say she's away for the two months, she's doing similar um, in that she's returning to, du- to Dublin every few weeks, you know, like to check on, you know, she's other appointments in Dublin and different things. So she was coming, commuting the other way as opposed to upwards, she was coming down. So the letter had come, it came on a Monday or Tuesday and was asking her for it to go to the appointment on the Thursday. So she missed the letter, they phoned her up and said, you didn't turn up today. And at 12 o'clock you had an appointment and she said, well, to be honest, I didn't get the letter. I would have turned up if I had gotten the letter. I'm working remotely for my parents. And in addition to that, I couldn't go at 12 o'clock anyway. I worked, you know, I need an afternoon appointment. So immediately she was told, well, if you want this money, you come and we tell you to come. There was no... You know, you take your time off work and you come when we tell you. And secondly, you shouldn't have left without telling us that you're not allowed to go on holiday. You have to give notice that you're taking two weeks' holidays. So she said, I'm not taking holidays. I'm working. Like, I'm doing the exact same job I was, same, same situation. I'm not on holidays. I'm just working remotely from my parents because it's the only way I can afford childcare. And this year, I don't have to say goodbye to my daughter for the summer. Yeah. And he basically said, well, you can't do that. I'm cutting you off. I'm putting your payment today. I'm suspending the payment. He said, today. "I'm immediately suspending your payment, and you will have to do what? Start again. Reapply in the local the local office, and then and and then get the claim moved to there. And then in five weeks' time, when she moves back to Dublin, cut the claim in the other office and reopen a new one. So That's some it, level of control over someone's life, isn't it? It's it's huge level, and for what there was, and, and and also every time you cut a claim, as you know, there's a waiting period. So you know it's a very disruptive to her income as well. So what did she do? Well, she she she's she a very articulate woman, and she's very she, uh, on the day she was actually just shell shocked. She was just so so upset, and she couldn't respond. And he even went to the thing of, are you renting out your apartment? While yeah, because there was, that, that did come to people's mind that maybe she was subletting over the summer. Yeah, no, she absolutely wasn't. It's her home. I mean, it's her, her daughter's bedroom. And did your man, she, did that person within the, the, the welfare inspector suggest that or ask was she subletting? He, he basically said, are you renting it out? And she said, no. And she said, actually, I'm on my way down tomorrow. She was coming down the next day anyway to get her vaccine. And she said, I, so she said, I'm going to be in Dublin for the whole weekend. I can stay for a few extra days. I can work from my own home. I can come with you any day. I can meet you on Friday or Monday or Tuesday. And because I'll be in Dublin anyway. And he said, no, no, no. I'm just cutting your claim. If you're working from the other place, we're cutting your claim now. Um, You're so, suggesting that some of them are on a power trip. Well, I don't see how the state was saved money because she will get all her money back. She hasn't done anything illegal. She is her income is disrupted, and three officers are involved. It was three different officers of suspending a payment, opening a payment, suspending a payment, opening a payment, and then reopening it again. And a lot of work from social protection point of view, are, are unnecessary work. You know, for the the time that's involved. So, for God's sake, um, all of the man hours involved in this. Um, all the man hours, all the disruption. She even said to them, the local office to her is a half an hour drive. And she said, like, that's an hour out of my day. I have to drive up and, and back with the cost of petrol. And for what? Like, what is the reason of this? And there was no legit, logical reason, obviously. So we did get in contact with the department. And the good news is it has been resolved since yesterday evening. We've spoken to the divisional manager and he said, 
she her centre of interest remains in Dublin and she will have her payments restored back to Dublin. And he said, and then we will review it to make sure that she... But why are they able to do that? I mean, if they're following the letter of the law, whatever law they interpret it as, why did they change their mind? Because it wasn't the law. That was the point. It was it was guidelines. And the guidelines say if you change address. But when speaking to the divisional manager, changing address on a short-term basis, it's where your centre of interest is. Text and her centre of interest is very much where her job is and where her daughter goes to school. Yeah, yeah. Text here suggesting that if it had been a female employee within welfare, she wouldn't have done this to another woman. But, you know, I'm not sure about that, Neil, either. I, I, I'm... We've heard cases of women can be just as bad as men, to be honest. Um, I think it's more cultural, and it's not. There is some social welfare inspectors who go over and above to help people, but then there are others who are just so distant from the impact of their payments. And she did point out to me, like, as I said on Thursday, she was so shell-shocked and she was upset and she was crying on the phone. But when she did kind of get herself back together, she spoke to me yesterday, uh, on Monday, and she is very much said... You never asked me had I money to feed my child this weekend. You cut me off and never checked what impact it would have. How can you do that? Like, I, I'm okay, but how do you know I was okay? And, and what would that have done to my child if I wasn't? And how do you make these decisions, not know the impact you're going to have on people? And I suppose that's what we need is, is people to think of the decisions. It may seem a bureaucratic thing to him. Okay, well, it's just a transfer of payment and a this and a that. But the amount of paperwork... Well, no, he'd have known that there would have been a five, four or five week wait. He, he must he have, have known that if she was getting this welfare supplement, it was to put food on the table and a roof. Or, yeah, and he is. would have gone home. I don't know whether he slept well or got on with his life. Well, she but didn't. Oh, no, no, she was very distressed. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't. I mean, is it, I mean, is it, do, you, do you deal with many cases like this? We deal with cases like that all the time. The other thing that was really upsetting for her was her parents are passionate and she was afraid by using their address and she kept, even when she signed the form that they asked her to sign, she said, this isn't my address. And she was terrified by signing that form that she was putting her parents' pension at risk because it's a, it's an, it's an assessed payment. It's a means tested payment. So she was very worried for her parents. And, and I think what she said to me over the weekend, her and her two parents were terrified that there was going to be an impact, impact to them financially. They're all on social welfare. Like, you know, I know, they automatically worried that, that welfare would come after her parents' payments yeah, or, or whatever. She was living there and there was extra income in the house that she was living there. And, so, and she literally said to the social welfare office, if this is going to hurt my parents in any way, I'm coming back home and I leave my daughter again for the summer. And you know and what? It's so cruel. Uh, it was cruel, absolutely cruel. And w- she was just very honest with whomever she spoke to on the phone. In hindsight, honest. she should have just said, I didn't get any letter, full stop. Yeah. If you knew this person, she just couldn't be dishonest. If you I know, but you know what I mean. And, and then, yeah, oh, I know. You know. And I mean, the honesty, I mean, even to the fact that when she filled in the form and she had to fill in her address for the new office, she put her parents' address, but then put it temporary only for someone because she was so afraid of being caught out and, and saying that she had two addresses and she was getting herself so worked up and so terrified. It was, it, it was an awful situation. It is, yeah. I mean, we facilitate the payment of children's allowance to parents' children who aren't even in the country. You know, yeah, they, they could be they could be a thousand, two thousand miles away, the children. But yet somebody wants to move counties or, you know, whatever. 
And, and the other side of it is, you know, we all have got a new concept of remote working. And there were a lot of people, you know, a lot of young people, say in their 20s, who may have worked in Dublin or Cork or big cities. And when their jobs lost, they went on to pub. They would send home. They didn't have to tell Social Protection, we changed our address and we're, we, we've gone back to our parents' house to save rent. They didn't have to do that. So why does a lone parent have to do it when she's just looking for childcare for the summer? Like that part got me. That anybody in Ireland who was receiving the pub, they didn't have to have their address. They, they didn't have to say where they were. No, they didn't. No, no. It seems, know, a, it seems very, very unfair in a vulnerable section of society who are trying to do their best on their own. Do you think sharing stories like this will help to make a difference? That's that's our aim. I mean, obviously, my first aim was to get the payment restored for some, uh, which is done, which is great. But it's also to highlight both to um, to the Department of Social Protection and to the general public of how civil servants are treating vulnerable people or people who are dependent on the payment. Now, as I said, this lady is very articulate and very well able to stand up for herself, but not everybody would be. And you think to somebody, if, if that was a lady who had escaped domestic violence and who may still know, have yeah. emotional trauma. Of course. You know, a lot of lone parents have... None of that was taken into consideration. Yeah. None of that was taken into consideration of, of what that might have triggered her or, or you know, and, and the, the decisions or the impact that might have had on her. And, and that's, you're just hoping that there's some sort of training for frontline workers in social protection, and especially when you're working with a vulnerable group like lone parents, because, as I said, so many have come from trauma-based backgrounds. Yes, I know. Le- so less of the, more of the compassion and less of the power trips. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I got other calls or texts or emails from people who have oh, had I'm similar, sure will, yeah, similar stories like that. Who have experienced similar. So let us find out. But thank you so much for taking the call. Appreciate it. And uh, well done on the work that you're doing, Louise. Keep it up. Thanks very much, Neil. Cheers for now. Louise Bayliss with Spark. Lines open at 1-850-104-106 if you'd like to share on that. Text 0868-104-106 if you have a story to share. See one straight away. I agree. Some of them are on power trips. You swear they were paying you out of their own pockets. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Sometimes decisions are probably made not taking into consideration the impact it will have on the person the decision is made against against. I understand that it's all in the public good, but a little more compassion and a little less power trips. Um, Lots on passports. I applied for my passport online last Tuesday at 11pm and I had it the Thursday morning at half past eight in the morning, which is less than two days. That'll come as no consolation to people who are waiting months or in the cases of some people, a couple of years. My partner and son have been waiting on passports since February last year, as an example, and I've had no way of contacting the Dublin office and the South Mall. Well, one of the reasons for this, it seems as I said this morning, the majority of those, the vast majority of those within the public sector are working remotely. Um, lots on the certs then. We'll be banned from restaurants for six months, i.e. Christmas, when the cert expires. If we don't have a booster, I suppose, next. Uh, I'm supposed to be the best man at my brother's wedding in September and I'm not going to take a vaccine. Does this mean I can't go to his wedding? Well, no, it doesn't mean you can't go to his wedding, but there might be issues with regards to whether or not the wedding is indoors or whatever the case may be, or whether or not you're wearing a mask. Um, well, it's an interesting question, though, because up until now, uh, people who aren't vaccinated can go uh, to weddings um, and they're indoors. Uh, my husband just received an email with his vaccine certificate. He's 39 years old. and He only got his first vaccine last week. He still doesn't have a date for the second injection. <laughs> They just sent him the certificate. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. <clears throat> I got my cert at nine this morning by post. I'm not looking at travelling, but it ticks the boxes. 
I may use it to dine indoors, even though that's not fair on other people I know. And that's what Mick Barry TD is saying, actually. It's too divisive and it's, uh, it's the wrong way to go. Got a letter in the post this morning uh, as well regarding my cert. I'm hoping to go to Spain on the 10th of August for 10 days, says Lisa. And I bet you can't wait. With these new laws coming in surrounding indoor hospitality, I was wondering if anyone knows what this means for hotels. Am I right in saying unvaccinated people can eat and drink in a hotel bar or restaurant once booked in, but will you be unable to do so in a standalone bar or restaurant? You're spot on. You got it in one. If this is the state of affairs, how can the public health argument be used anymore? If a fully vaccinated person goes to a restaurant and is asked for proof, can they ask for proof that the staff therein are also fully vaccinated? Surely it should work both ways. That's just a selection of many, many texts on the cert and on the vaccine and issues like that, which I'll come back to. But, you know, I was talking about live gigs and what they did at uh, Secret Garden. I spoke to Gerald O'Hearn and there were live gigs, 50 people at the Secret Garden gig, a fiver each. And in they went and everybody had a joyous time. Spoke yesterday to a chap who converted a fire truck into a super duper uh, coffee and snacks and ice creams and slushies, um, you know, mobile, I suppose, fire truck cafe, if you like, takeaway cafe. And God knows we've seen an awful lot of horse boxes been converted. But I love these kind of stories because recently I came across a converted donkey box, which was converted by Anya Duffy, Cork musician, and she's held her first gig in it, by all accounts, and is either planning or has started already to travel around the country in her donkey box. Now, Anya Duffy, as in Duffy's, it's her second name, has renamed the donkey box the Duff Box. And she joins me by phone. Anya, good morning. Hey, how are you, Neil? Thanks for having me on. Where'd you get get the, the donkey box? I got it in a scheme. It was restrictions at the time, so we couldn't go very far, you know, and I was keeping my eye out. And then I spotted this and I was straight there. (laughs) <laughs> is it slightly smaller than a horse box? It is. That's the thing. I didn't even know. Like, I mean, people it, well, they wouldn't know there'd be one separate. So it's slightly, slightly smaller. It's only four foot <laughs> wide, and it's uh, very light. So uh, I decided I'd I'd get my creative juices going. You know. <laughs> so what did you what did you do to convert it? First of all, with donkeys, and I guess with horses, there would be an issue of a smell, would there? No, there wasn't because there wasn't uh, there wasn't all the walls, and, <laughs> you know. It was missing pieces, a lot of pieces. So it was out to nature. Oh, it, oh! It needed a, it needed a lot of work then. <laughs> it did, yeah. So I it was self ventilated. I mean, yeah, exactly. There wouldn't have been much um, smell sticking around in there. <laughs> so what did you do? Because I've seen photographs of it, and it's pristine. The Duff Box. How did you bring it back to life? Uh, bit of elbow grease <laughs> so I just basically started filling out the sides and and then I um, put in like a perspex at the side I got off my cousin that sheet I had some materials left over because in August last year and I was in lockdown and you know being a musician in lockdown you're not exactly going busy. to be able to yeah so I was saying I need to keep busy because we work long hours so I Built myself a passive home, a small passive home on a base. A passive had, home. You built a home. Yeah, I did. I built a house to it's live in. Small. Yeah, I live in it. What? I want to see a photograph of that. I want to see the inside of you it. You can see them all. Yeah, you can see them all on uh, on my Instagram is at Anya Duffy Music. So, 
so not only okay so the duff box is, is, is interesting but building your own passive home what's that involve yeah. it's the same again now a bit of hard work but uh, I, I love it's timber on the outside I love working with timber and it's a timber frame and I had my my friend works with uh, my friend is big man tiny home so he he had someone you know build a steel base that uh, and organized a few stuff at the start for me and gave me some tips and then I had a little shell dropped in and then I went off on a hack on my own so I insulated it six inches I put a green roof on the top which is a garden it's beautiful so it keeps it warm I put underfloor heating in <laughs> I'm deli- yes <laughs> delighted with myself do you live in I it? Just, I am I do yeah it's fantastic you don't need too much too much room really and and it, it is 11 foot high so I have a lofted bed up high so I do have more room and I'm not the tallest it's <laughs> 11 foot high but like yeah. how long is it is it just one room 16 yeah it's one room 16 foot and what's in the room there's a high bed what else um, there's a high bed there's a wardrobe I had just changed my mind to make the bathroom outside so that went out <laughs> That's only just after happening. And, um, and uh, I have a kitchen, a little seat. I have a big window seat as well. And I am in making a Japanese tub at the moment. There by the window. <laughs> you're not, not going to get room for a so tub. That's a bath you want to put in. It's actually beautiful. Yeah, it's actually beautiful. It's, you know, it's, it's clean. There's space. I love it. I really love it. It was hard. You know, everyone's under pressure trying to get mortgages and and so many people are talking about doing things and I've always loved doing DIY. I've often And where where did there. you put it? Like on, on what land? Uh, it's on my folks' land. So I just needed 16 foot and a tree fell <laughs> and it's on the hill like and I said it to them first they were they were like there, could it fit? I said oh yeah. And <laughs> um, have you like have you solar power on the roof or what do you do for light? I try to get the solar panel um, I, I looked into all of that, but it's actually really expensive. <laughs> so I'm hoping it'll come down in price and it, and trying to make it. So what I did is I'm just, it's hooked up from, I ha- I actually did the wiring myself and there's an electrician <laughs> then hooked it up. He did, the, you know, passed it and all of this. And then I just run it from the house. You got your mum and dad's power. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Got the power. Yeah, so... um. Well, it, it was actually handy because my dad had had two knee operations as well, so then I was able to be close. So. That's but it's, it's win, win. There, so. win, 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 win. Do you have? Do you have fr- find a piece of land? Do you have friends over, like for for dinner? <laughs> uh, yeah, but we don't have to sit inside all the time. Absolutely. Right? Well, the next I few know, days, it's not it- that bad at all. It's not that bad at all. I have a big long window seat, so there's more than a few people. Sounds very cozy to me. Have you a barbecue outside? Not yet, but I'll, I'll make one if I need one. <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise you know, me? You won't be rocking into a shop. Inside, you know, and I have the windows open, so it feels like being outside. Oh anyway. my God, you are so <laughs> self-sufficient, Anya Duffy. Oh, so yes. are, what you kind of music do. do you do? You're a musician, but what do you play? I am. I play electric guitar and I sing with this accent. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's fun. It's very upbeat and people dance and get involved and is it pop, rock, indie, folk? It wouldn't be indie. It would be a mix now of pop, rock, and funky folk. It's very upbeat. It sounds to me as if you're Cork's answer to Dolores O'Riordan. Uh, 
Jeez, I couldn't complain over that. No, you wouldn't <laughs> complain over that. And have you done have you done a gig in the Duff Box? I mean, obviously, is I the have. stage drops down from the Donkey Box? Yeah. So that's the story. I when you open down the when you open down the back door, I, I've reinforced it as a stage, <laughs> and then. I did my first GoFund that I've ever done just for a PA system that was battery powered. <laughs> so I got it in eight days and, uh, and now I'm off out and about. Where so have you gigged? I'm, so I just started. So I was in Ballycotton and then I'm going to Allahees this weekend and then I'm in Garrettstown. On Saturday. On 30, 31st. Saturday July, week. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Then I'm in Kilkenny, the Friday, following Friday, and then there's somewhere else. Friday and will people pay you then when you gig? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's it. Or, and, you know, some people throw around the hat if they're financially after being stuck as well, you know. But we just have to be able to get out there and seeing people so excited to be able to have music again, you know. I think it's fantastic. I'm so delighted you brought up about the house, never mind about the duff box. <laughs> Can't wait to see what you're going to do next. <laughs> Build your yeah, own barbecue, I know, obviously. I'm not myself. I'm looking around the place. I, yeah, I don't know if it'll be a barbecue that might be exciting enough for me now. <laughs> so people need to keep an eye out for where you're going to be. I guess follow you on Instagram to find out yeah, where the Instagram next gig will be Facebook. in the duff box. Yeah. 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 They, be, and I'm, I'm planning one for Donna Rail as well. Um, in the park so hopefully that will go ahead too and uh, yeah I'm just looking forward to it I want you know just it's it's I like to see the people at the gig I played dancing and having the crack again and oh, it was so lovely it was so lovely it's special to see you know I know it's amazing the amount of quirky inspirational stories I've picked up over the past 15 or 16 months and we'll add you to the list of them Listen, you're so you're so great. Well done. Um, let people follow you on Instagram to see how how your wacky life is getting on. I had a quick look at it there. I don't you're, know if it's wacky. Yeah, it is. Your your Instagram page just bursts of color and happiness. It's well, a lovely. That's, that's great. It's a lovely place. Right. All right, on you mind yourself. Much. All right, cheers. Thanks a million. I appreciate it a lot. Thanks a million. Have a nice day. All the best. On you, Duffy, um, and her Duff box. And our wonderful little home. Isn't it a great story? It really is an uplifting story. She accentuates positivity. So does so does um, Charles Hearn. And of course, he gigged at Secret Garden earlier this week. And they're doing these little gigs for 50 people. And, you know, different one every day, late afternoon. Um, but he's an incredible talent. And while I was chatting with him, I said I would dig out a song. And I want to do that. If I can get some of Vanya Duffy's music over the next couple of days, we might give that a spin as well. But here's the great Gerald O'Hearn, back gigging. Small numbers, but it's a start. I'm no hero. I'm no sinner. I'm no loser, I'm no winner Incredible stuff, great local talent, talking about Panna, singing about the bells of Shandon and the fish on top of Shandon and beautiful stuff like that. The great Gerald O'Hearn, great talent. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now, 086-8104-106, Red FM. I just love stories like Anya Duffy, if it's not her house, it's the Duff Box, the converted donkey box. And uh, Zilvdi text here says, a rocker chick in a donkey box, Kim Wilde and Susie Quattro would love her absolutely all day long and lots more besides... 
Also, I've got some detectives working on the Aikens promotion teaser that's up online. It's a teaser that shows Parky Cueve. It shows a ticket concert box to buy tickets. And then it's got the letter E appearing in it all the time. Just watch the Aikens promotion teaser you spoke about for this upcoming car concert. Unless I'm wrong, isn't that music Elton John's Benny and the Jets? Um, sent with gentle, used with gentle effect. I haven't heard the audio. I've only seen the visual, but I'll certainly have a listen to the audio of it. I didn't know there was a bed under it. it well, if it is Benny and the Jets, then the letter E means that Elton John is playing Parky Cueve and we will find out more tomorrow. But I, that's just me going off on a solo run. Actually, you know, speaking of, of solo runs, uh, I had wanted to um, hopefully talk to the uh, publican Brian O'Neill down in the Tap Tavern in Kinsale. If it works out well and good. If not, his, his uh, interview was carried in the Echo this morning and he's saying we've been closed. He's a publican. We've been closed for 16 months, he says. And that this idea of opening now... Um, is purely a political move. He says, if we could just could hang on for another six weeks, we'd get in a million and a half more people jabbed. So this is a publican actually saying that he's worried that the cases and hospitalizations could rise again. So it's a publican who's saying he'd prefer to stay closed, closed for six weeks. I don't know whether he himself is going to keep his pub closed for the next six weeks, the Tap Tavern in Kinsale. But... In the same article then in the Echo, the Cork North Central TD, Mick Barry, kind of rose in similarly, saying that this is discrimination against people on the grounds of their health status as to whether you're vaccinated or not, what you can do with the vaccine cert, what you can't do without it. And he says it's a two-tier proposal and it will be very divisive to society. Things like that. So I just wanted to chat with him about that and I also want to talk about the ridiculous constant increases in rent prices in this country. But just on that topic, because it's live and fresh. Mick, good morning. Hi, Neil. How you doing? Great stuff. Thanks for taking the call. Are you, like the publicans, suggesting that we shouldn't start relaxing and opening indoor hospitality next week? Yeah, I don't think we should. Um, I think that um, you need to be quite cautious until such time as you have... Uh, herd immunity uh, in the population. Um, we're a little way away from that yet, not too far away. Um, we had a situation at the start of the week where the caretaker prime minister of the Netherlands uh, had to give an apology to the nation uh, for reopening too quickly. They went from 500 cases to 10,000 uh, with the Delta variant over the space of two weeks and I think outdoor is yeah. But how many ended safe. up in how many ended up in their hospitals? How many ended of them ended up in their ICUs? Yeah, it's it it wasn't like January where there was uh, rocketing numbers in the hospitals and the ICUs. Um, but it, the numbers began to go up, and when they go up a bit, uh, they can go up more uh, as it breaks through. So I just think. Herd immunity is the key target, and uh, I think this side of herd immunity, uh, you need to be uh, cautious. Okay. Uh, Michal, said, Michal said overnight that we, we just had to get off the fence on this. You know? Yeah, well, it, it's clear that um, there's, Live with there's pressure on the government. Um, there's pressure from, from people who want to get back into the, the, the restaurants and the pubs. But in particular, there's, there's, there's industry pressure. There's a lot of lobbying going on there from the, the, the pub lobby and from the restaurants lobby uh, who want to have the month of August 
Um, and I think that he, he bowed to that pressure before Christmas uh, and the results were, were you know, really negative. Um, they probably can't be as negative this time around, but they can be negative enough. And I think for the sake of, you know, a matter of weeks, uh, it, it would be best uh, to say, yes, pubs and restaurants, but it's outdoors. But what We're about all, you're, you're a big man for people and their jobs. Um, what about all of the jobs uh, if August is lost, if the businesses don't open and some of them go to the wall without a summer trade, ultimately those that you represent, the working man and woman, will lose their jobs. Well, supports um, would need to stay in place. In fact, supports would need to be stepped up. Uh, so the idea of taking people off the pandemic unemployment payments, the idea of lifting a total ban on uh, rent increases uh, and uh, uh, evictions, uh, in fact, extra supports would need to be put in place. We're looking at a matter of uh, weeks here. You did mention... Six weeks, six uh, weeks. That's September, pretty much. Herd immunity, you know, um, some people would say you could get there in, in less than six weeks. Some people might say it, it, it would take a wee bit more. Uh, end of August, early September, um, I think that's what we would be be looking at. There is an important uh, other point in this. Uh, you mentioned it in your intro there, which is the question of uh, discrimination. So is this uh, the those that have the cert and those that don't, is it? Yeah, I mean, up until now in this country, uh, we've had equality before the law. Um, uh, uh, what we're looking at now is discrimination based on your health status. And I know that legal people, including this morning the Irish Council of Civil Liberties, have raised real concerns uh, about this. The idea that um, if you have a vaccine, you can go in. Yeah. And if you don't, you have to stay out. So a pregnant woman in the early stages of pregnancy is forced to stay out. Someone who has a health condition uh, who can't take a vaccine has to stay out. Many, many young people have to stay out. Of course, who doesn't have a to stay A child out. could go into her indoors in a restaurant with a grandparent... But the mother or the father, in the, in, in the case of, say, a single mother even, um, can't go in because she's not vaccinated, but a child can go in with the grandparents. Well, that's an interesting one. You're, you're, you're always a man male no, coming up with... No, just, 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 just think, <laughs> like, because you're saying one thing, but yeah, Michael Collins down in West Cork is up in the doll today saying that the doors should be thrown open for everyone. Yeah, well, you know, let Michael Collins say his piece. It's it's my turn here. The, no, but the, I'm just talking the, about the, the different opinions of those that are representing us in Dáil Éireann. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not surprising that you have a, a wide variety of uh, of opinions there. Um, uh, you, you did mention, you know, the idea of me as a workers' representative. Uh, so I, I do have to raise the idea that you're, you would have workers in hospitality, not exclusively but overwhelmingly young people who haven't received the virus uh, or haven't received the vaccine uh, serving people who have been uh, uh, vaccinated and it's a little bit different from retail. You know, you can socially distance uh, while working in retail easily enough. Far more difficult when you're working in a busy pub or a restaurant and I think, you know, there was a, a meeting the other day uh, where they had Fulcher Ireland and the HSE and representatives of the pubs and the uh, restaurants. Uh, I would ask, why was there no representation for the workers? 
uh, at, the, uh, at that meeting. They have to okay. they can't run hospitality without them. Just a quick word, actually, because it's important that people get back to work and to work as best they can so that they can pay the exorbitant rents that they're now being asked to pay in this country, where more and more of their wages and salary is going directly to rent. I know that is the same case with mortgages, but with a mortgage, at least you have skin in the game. Um, what, what, what's going on with, with rent? It just seems to go up and up. Where they're saying now, so they 30 or 40% of people are paying, I don't know, 30 or 40% or maybe even 50% of their income on rent every month. Yeah, the Residential Tenancy Board tells us this morning that um, 30% of people are, are paying, or 50% of people are paying more than 30% of their income in rent. But incredibly, they're saying that um, 12% of people, one in eight, are paying more than half of their take-home pay on rent. I'd say it's rent. higher than one in eight, Mick. I would say it's much higher than that. You know, I think that an awful lot of people are just managing to scrape a bit of food and put petrol in the car because the big ticket item is the rent. Yeah, and uh, in that circumstance, you know, people say, well, you're living in rented accommodation. I think it would be more uh, correct to say you're just about existing <laughs> in rented accommodation. So the idea that I threw out there this morning was the idea of a national rent freeze. Uh, this is something that's catching on in continental Europe. In Barcelona, there is now uh, a rent freeze in 60 Catalan towns and cities. There's a rent freeze. And one and a half million people in Berlin uh, actually had their rents cut on average by 8% when the rent freeze, which has now been overthrown by the courts, uh, was introduced uh, there. So I think this is something that needs to be put on the agenda here. Interestingly, in all of those cities, it was big protests on the streets like we had with the water charges yeah. that put the issue of a rent freeze on the agenda. Yeah. And this has to be the coming thing in Irish politics uh, uh, once this this uh, 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 pandemic begins to lift a bit. OK, appreciate you taking the call, Mick Barry, Solidarity, TD, out of time for now. Um, exorbitant rent prices and also he is saying stall the ball on reopening hospitality park it for six weeks back after 11 hey it's Killian join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music a bit of chat and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend it's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM 86-8104-106 Red FM Talking about jobs and talking about people paying more and more of their income to go to rent and an awful more of their income of course going to mortgages and there'll be more of that as house prices go up of course and people buy higher mortgages will be higher and uh, you know be an awful lot more strain on people to pay those things back um, and I only mention that because every time you hear of job announcements you know big job announcements uh, particularly here in Cork if it's pharma or it's tech or it's call centre jobs or it's, you know, jobs that involve, you know, languages and things like that. I mean, started up here on Lisa. It's all very, it's all great to hear all of these things. But in every time you hear one of those job announcements, particularly bigger ones like an Apple, for instance, or a Facebook, it's bad news in another way. It's bad news for housing because it puts more and more pressure on people to be able to have somewhere to live, afford rent or to get a mortgage. Because where we have more and more jobs coming in, we don't have housing coming in or apartments being built and enough, fast enough. And that's why rents go up. And that's why house prices go up. It's all about supply and demand. But you remember I've been talking last week about apprenticeships. Uh, and one of the chaps on the air said he'd send me on a list of the different apprenticeships up to May of 2021. Uh, this is a breakdown of, of some of the more popular there are many, many, many apprenticeships in lots of different areas. In fact, there's over 20,500 people in apprenticeships in Ireland at the moment. But what are they doing? Well, primarily, primarily things like carpentry 
and joinery. You know, um, that's the big ticket item, to be quite honest with you. But if you looked, if you looked at those that are doing apprenticeships and say carpentry, with nineteen hundred and twenty-three people being male, um, be interested to hear that six women, six females, are doing carpentry apprenticeships, um, and then. The other one then, which is enormous, way ahead of carpentry, is electrical apprenticeships. Over 7,000 men, boys, young men, whatever, in Ireland doing electrical apprenticeships. 79 uh, females. One or two of the other bigger ones involve motor mechanics, for instance. 1,280 male, 28 female. Then there's others like commie chefs, 114 commie chefs in apprenticeship at the moment. Way too low for the amount of chefs that are needed. So 114 male, 23 female. I think these statistics are are fascinating. The opposite is the case then with regards to um, hairdressing apprenticeships. Eight male, 84 female. It's amazing, isn't it, when you break it down? There are lots of other ones then, like plumbing. 2,100 men, four women, four females doing plumbing apprenticeships. And on and on it goes. One of the ones that we started up with was bricklaying and stone laying. 215 male, zero females. So it's not a profession that women seem to be attracted to. There are many more like that. When you break them down, it's interesting to see the difference between the two. One that was very interesting is there's a a growth in the amount of apprenticeships within auctioneering and property services. 111 male, 124 female. It's kind of interesting when you break it down. So in total, the amount of apprenticeships in Ireland, nearly 20,000 of them are male, and just over 1,100 of them are female. So I thought that was interesting information. I pass it on for what it's worth. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. And I will come back to emails throughout the course uh, of the morning. I'll also be coming back to this tease from Aiken. Because this story keeps on developing. And I'll update some more on what exactly Aiken promotions are going to announce by way of a gig that will happen at Parky Cueve. When? Probably... Um, Sometime next year, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, E being the letter, as in E for what? Like Elton John? Others are saying, yeah, but E could equally be Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. But here's the audio. So there is this tease that's up online. And you'll see Parky Cueve in it. You'll see a ticket kiosk booth. And then you'll see the letter E and you'll see seats in the stadium. E, E, E being uh, the, the kind of hint or the tease that Aiken are using. But somebody said to me that the bed, if you listen to the music, you might be able to pick up Benny and the Jets by Elton John. Let's, let's see if we can. Yes. Yes. Benny and the Jets, yes. Those are the opening piano notes of Benny and the Jets. Bong. I mean, if you dig it out, we can play it. What we do you will. Think? Mark is getting it at the moment, but I must say, Mark got in there before you, right? None of us copped this. That the Aiken promo video that's up online and was on the Red FM page and everything, the E that they kind of uh, flick up on the on Porky Cueve is actually Elton John's symbol, his E symbol. So it's kind of an E with, I don't know, is it like a little star in the middle or some kind of, the, the second leg of the E is a kind of a triangle thing, you know? Um, and is that a symbol that Elton his. John uses? So Mark just 
copped on. I said he'll have to set up CSI Bishopstown. Um, or Seamus was saying that. But, so uh, is it an Elton John gig? I mean, that, that it is... It to be, yeah. Because somebody was sending me a text there saying, uh, stall the ball there. I have it on very good authority that the e-gig is in fact Ed Sheeran, who's rumoured to be doing a May Bank holiday weekend gig. Um <laughs> On Lee's side. Oh, but she look how no. and his his sister's brother's driver's dog <laughs> told him that, like you know. No, if there's an E, and yeah. Listen to the piano. Hang on. That's Benny yeah. and the Jets. It is, yeah. But Brenda was saying That's that Benny Elton has retired, has he? Or he's always saying no. Is he? <laughs> no, he's not. He's, it's his farewell tour. You know this crowd who... You mean that he's he's doing or planning a 2022 farewell tour? Oh, I don't know. Is he, was he doing it? Is he on it? You know the ones that, oh, I'm done now. And then they, like Cliff Richard, like, <laughs> oh, look I'm at done. him. Cliff is doing farewell as well, but like he'll be back next year again. I don't think Elton John would retire. He just loves gigging too much. I think he is. I mean, is He'll it, have but, to check it out. But like, what does he do? He goes to his private jet. He gets in it. It flies him in the greatest comfort imaginable to man, woman or child. He arrives at an airport. He's picked up at a limo. He goes to a venue. He plays the piano. He goes back to his private jet and he goes home. There's not much involved in it. She's right. Brenda is right. I just did a quick Google and he says, Sir Elton John has announced the date of retirement after 50 years dedicated to writing music and performing with an immense catalogue of hits. It doesn't say when, but that's an article from the 27th of June, 2021. Yeah, but he doesn't say when. <laughs> sure, that's our point. <laughs> yeah. After my 2022 world tour. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> anyway, that's where we're at. If I've got any more info or updates, or the detectives out there have, we'll bring them to it. But it's all good news, all these green shoots we speak of. Not so great news, though, in other parts of the world. More on that next. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, a little help. It's the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM Definitely Elton John The E that Aiken uses With small little asterisks Or star on it Is exactly the same E That Elton John has up on his uh, His website And all of his official merchandising So it, I mean if I was a betting man Which I'm not I would be saying Definitely Elton John Well 99.999% um, To real world And real life events Megan good morning Hi, hi Neil, how are you? you? You are very, very upset, you are very worried, South African girl, living in Middleton, mm-hmm. five years mm-hmm. here, came over to Ireland, fell in love with family, still back in South Africa, right? Yep, my um, my husband's family are there, and obviously loads of friends where we grew up, my husband and I, and our kids are here at Middleton, yeah. Yeah, but do you have family in, say for instance, Joburg, Cape Town or Durban? In Pietermaritzburg, which is inland from Durban on the east coast of KwaZulu-Natal. Um, you say the media aren't reporting on what's going on down there. I'm not so I'm not so sure about that. I mean, we've seen the videos, we've seen the rioting, we've seen the looting. Yeah. I saw that baby being thrown out of the window of a high-up apartment block in Durban because yeah. of fire, the building's on fire. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely shocking. How, how worried are you for your friends and family back home? Uh, I actually... Mm. I battle to speak about it because it's uh, very, very, very worried. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I am. Um, they're, they're battling. Um, we spoke to my husband's brother last night. Um, they have literally a third of a tank of petrol left. They can't get petrol. Um, the supermarkets and shops are closed. Oh, burnt down. 
should I say, um, they can't get food. The residents are locking themselves in their homes, in their streets, chopping down trees, barricading roads. Um, the wholesale damage everywhere in the city where I'm from is just horrendous. Uh, horrendous. Um all of this started, of course, without getting into the political issues here. One of the yeah. former presidents, Jacob Zuma, who was accused of corruption and all sorts of awful things that sometimes politicians do, he was jailed and his supporters freaked out. But now it's really just become an excuse to loot, to burn things down, to rob and to shoot, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I agree. I, should, I don't want to speak about the politics. That's a different part. But, you know... The, the thing is, right now, is it's pure criminality. It's 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 no longer political. Um, it's way beyond that. Um, and it, us South Africans who are here in, in Cork, there's probably about a thousand of us, I should imagine. Um, you know, we just want you all to hear our story and 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 know what our families are going through right now. And this is in not just Durban, where it's very, very bad, but also in Soweto itself, outside Johannesburg, Johannesburg itself. And d- yeah, Johannesburg uh, is, is affected to some degree, yeah. Um, you know, friends and family are reporting that too. But um, KwaZulu-Natal, which is, it's a smaller province, it's well, smaller, KwaZulu-Natal is the size of the island, of Ireland. Um, so it's fairly big in, in terms of what Ireland is used to. Um all the cities and towns are burning, all of them, and it's it's whole, it's huge in in KwaZulu Natal. And and and, and here's yeah. what we know: we know of the shopping centres being looted, the shops being looted. We know mm. of, uh, say, for instance, ATMs being smashed up for money, mm-hmm. restaurants destroyed, destroyed, particularly places selling alcohol, clothes mm-hmm. shops looted and left in tatters, livestock stolen. Um, ambulances coming under attack because people are being shot and killed, aren't they? We know of at least 70 dead. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I couldn't tell you the numbers. I mean, who's there counting the numbers? The police are doing what they can. They're stretched to the absolute limit. Um, apparently, supposedly, the army is uh, being put on the streets, but we don't know. There's there's reports that they might be landing this morning, but um, I haven't seen an update on that yet. Um, but the, everything, everything, everything. I mean, the farmers are dumping milk on the farms because they can't get the trucks from the farms to the towns where the milk needs to be processed and then can't get it from there to the city, to the shops. There are no shops. So milk is literally being poured onto fields. I mean, Cork is full of dairy farmers. You can appreciate that. Um, I know the army are involved now and trying to work with police and trying to arrest rioters and looters and trying to enforce law. They're hugely outnumbered, incidentally. But, um, you know, families who are innocent to all of this, you say that they're holed up in their homes and their apartments. Are they armed? Some will be, some won't be. Um, look, firearm laws are as controversial in South Africa as America or even even here in Ireland. So some people carry firearms and some people don't. Um, my friends were sending pictures of the last couple of nights where basically it's the women and children staying indoors in their homes and the husbands are out patrolling the streets, um, cordoning off the streets. Some of them will have firearms. They're carrying cricket bats, baseball bats, 
paintball guns, air rifles, anything they can get their hands on just to protect their homes. And the women are staying home and uh, looking after their kids. It's very traditional ideas, but it's the truth of it. Yeah. Some of those deaths actually involved people being killed while caught up in a stampede at a supermarket mall that was being looted at the time. Mm. And I can well, I can well believe that. And how are they? How are they going to get a handle on this? Like, and will it? Will it just? Will it just kill itself off? Will it just die out, or what? I, I actually don't know. No, I, I have no idea how this is going to go. And you know, we can we can be positive, and we can all go. Yes, South Africa, we've got something called Ubuntu, which is the spirit, the the love of your land, and we can hope that the people find that Ubuntu again, and 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 come through this but on the other hand the part that sits in the back of our minds and and brings us the negativity is that this is not really not looking good for the future it's it's looking pretty bad so we just don't know where it's going and and my brother-in-law last night said we're living one day at a time one day at a time we're just getting through the day yeah, it's never really worked itself out, has it? Uh, in spite of the changes and when Mandela came along and everybody was so optimistic and, you know, the political structure changed and unfortunately those that, ch- that replaced the old political regime themselves were found to be wanting and in some cases criminality was involved. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it, it's just far from fixed. It's so sad because having been there early, early last year, it's such a beautiful country. And oh, it's, it's magnificent. It's 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 a land of milk and honey. It's it's beautiful, um, and I guess that's why this is so hard to talk about because it's that's my home. You know, that's where I grew up. That's my people. Those are my friends. Those are my the, the scenery there is phenomenal, and um, to see it burning like this is just it's just too hard. It's just too hard, and we just we just want to talk up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I wanted to give you an opportunity to share how you're feeling because it's important, you know, you're here thousands of miles away from home and clearly very worried and upset for your loved ones in your country. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. And I, and I, and I speak, you know, holding hands with all the other South Africans here in Cork as well because I know we're all in the same boat. Um, uh, we're extremely worried. Extremely mm. worried. Okay. Okay, yeah. listen, uh, we're thinking of you and, uh, you know, yeah. I feel... I feel as if I can do no more but allow you to share your story and how you're feeling, you know, I hope it helps. Yeah, I mean, can can I mention if, if any Cork people do want to reach out and help, um, there's an incredible organisation called Gift of the Givers and they're based in Peter Maritzburg and they're actually started after the, remember the big tsunami and how that wiped out hundreds of thousands of people. The Gift of the Givers is basically an organisation that started helping them and they do huge help all over the world. And I don't think they ever expected that they would be having to work directly in their hometowns now. Um, so if anybody does want to reach out to Gifted the Givers, please have a look on them online. Okay. Um, but, okay. you know, otherwise just think of us and, and support us, that's all. Thinking of you. Well said, Megan. Thinking of you. Thanks for taking the call. Mind yourself. All right. Thank you, Neil. Have a lovely day. All you right. too. Very upset. It'd be like any of us if we were thousands of miles from home or thousands of miles from Cork, you know, in another place. 
um, feeling, uh, you know, the, the gulf of distance and being unable to help or be there. Um, I imagine we would feel the very same way. Uh, back after the break on 1850 104 106. And by text, what's happening with uh, pregnant women who don't have enough information about this vaccine? Are they still not allowed to dine in a restaurant without a cert? No, they won't be able to go indoors without a vaccine cert, uh, pregnant or not. Our young people's lives are screwed. It's pure discrimination. My daughter's in her final year in college and now... Landlords are looking for vaccinated students only. Where is this going to stop? When are people going to wake up? Delta variant spreading my arse. Control is what is spreading, says Jer. Uh, your caller is spot on when he said we have the highest vax update. Update. Or sorry, uptake, I should say. And that equates to total brainwashing. The Irish are compliant fools. Uh, for people saying that the vaccine hasn't been tested, it has now been around since before Christmas. It's been given to millions of people globally with very little side effects. A sore arm, slight cold-like symptoms, maybe a headache. It has probably at this stage of its rollout been the most tested vaccine ever, in fact, says Declan. Morning. They cannot go ahead and discriminate against people that are not vaccinated for indoor dining. It is our basic human right if we decide to be vaccinated or not. Imagine if the likes of the LGB people all of a sudden were picking the customers you wanted in your restaurant. There would be absolute uproar. That's an interesting take on things. This is my opinion. It's the exact same thing, this vax cert. I'm a healthy healthy 35-year-old but no intention of getting the vaccine. I would rather take the risk of COVID than all the risks associated with it. If a restaurant turns me away from not having the vaccine, I will pursue the legal route because they will be 100% discriminating against my basic human rights and I will make sure to name and shame these restaurants or pubs. It's an absolute disgrace. The government is putting pressure on the hospitality sector to enforce these rules. They will not get away with it as the decisions being made are ridiculous and make no logical sense at all. One final one, Declan and Cargilline says, it is really down for the hospitality industry to get this right, mainly for themselves. If the numbers get out of control it with, uh, and with hospitalizations, then they'll be first on the chopping block, hospitality. So it's in their own best interest now uh, not to be letting people in without digital certs. So it's down to the hospitality industry to police it, make sure it works in order for them to stay open. Uh, Neil, the jabbed are not immune. You could at least give accurate information. I've said that over and over. Even with a vaccine, you can still get and pass on COVID, whatever variant you want to think of, the latest one being the Delta variant. Um, But with the vaccine, you will not get as sick. But it's very interesting, but you will still get it and you will still pass it on. But I was listening to... um, a very high up medic in the British equivalent to our Neffet. And he was saying yesterday, this is what he was saying. I'm only passing it on for what he said. Because of the vaccine rollout and the huge numbers of people vaccinated in the UK, he said that there was a 50% less COVID effect now on those vaccinated, right? And he said that it was, they were, those vaccinated were 50% less likely to pass it on. I thought that was amazing. I sat up and listened to that. He said, Vaccinated people, 50% less likely or pass on a 50% weaker strain of COVID. So he said, when you add those two figures together, 50% less COVID effect, 50% less likely to pass it on. He meant that vaccinated people now were responsible for a 75% increase in effectiveness of the vaccine 
and decreasing sickness, hospitalization and ICU. That's what he said. I'm not here banging that drum, incidentally. I'm just saying what the uh, UK equivalent and effort are saying with regards to the role of the vaccine there and the effects that it's having. Um, back to the phone lines we go. Phil, good morning. Oh, good morning, Neil. Weren't you, uh, weren't you holding out um, and you weren't going for the vaccine, I remember? Was that the case? Oh, no, no, no. i absolutely against it. Yeah. I, I said no, they yeah. didn't know enough about it. It came online too quick. I recall that conversation. Are you still the same? No. Okay, why? Not having it. Because guilt mostly uh, need. Uh, you know, I was thinking, God, could I pass it on if I got it? Could I pass it on to somebody else? I know now you're saying, yes, there is a chance that it can happen. But I think we are safer for having the vaccine. You relented no. to, what, be able to see your grandchildren, is it? Or to be able to oh, go yes. indoors and things? No, I don't. Really, I don't go out. I might maybe go to the shop once a week, maybe once a fortnight. That's only down the road. Yeah. But um, no, but at the same time, the risk is there. And yes, my grandchildren. Did you hold, no. you, do you, you wouldn't take the Astra though, was it? No, 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 no. I got the Pfizer one and I was happy with that. Any effects from taking mm. it? No? I did. I was falling asleep standing up. Oh, sacred heart. You have no idea. I got an awful fall out in the kitchen. Really? I went out to make a cup of coffee, put on the kettle, turned around, and the next thing, down on my face and hands. And I have tiles in my kitchen, so the print of my glasses was on around my eyes for a couple of weeks. You black f- and it blue sounds as if you fainted. No, I keep falling asleep. Standing up. No, I'm over. No, I'm over it now. I know, but, but it was. No, you said that you were walking around, standing up, and collapsed to the ground asleep. Yes, I nodded off. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, I know, but I, honest to God, Neil, that's the truth. No, I don't doubt a moment. I don't doubt a word you're saying. I never have in any of the conversations we've had in the past. A lot of people say that they're zonked. They just take to the bed. Maybe an hour after the the vaccination, some go to bed at five or six o'clock. They don't wake up till the next day. Well, I didn't. The first day didn't affect me. It was after that. But with the second vaccine, oh yes, that's when I got the fall. I was far worse the second time. But apart from that. I didn't have any side effects, no sore arm, nothing, didn't feel sick, didn't get headaches. But I think it's safer. I mean, you have to look at all the people that are, have died from this meal mm. all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a threat. And these people, this 34-year-old now that text you or whatever he did, um, saying that his human rights are being invaded, he's not going to have the injection. Well... What if he gets it? Does he expect to be treated in hospital then? Well, and he would be entitled to be treated in hospital because the vaccine is not compulsory. No, but I still think, you know, he's a very selfish person. And that was the reason I had it. Because I just felt it's unfair to anybody around me that I would come across, well, as I say, aware But he's just, you know, where you're, you know where you were at before? He's, he's where you used to be. 
he would rather take the risk of COVID than the risks associated with an untested vaccine. That's the way, that's where you were at, say, two or three months ago. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's well before that. No, um, Neil. Well, w- that was last whenever. Year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. But yes. And oh God, no, because I thought there wouldn't have been enough, you know, they didn't have enough information, first of all. And I don't know, there's just, I just think, though I'm old, and I just think definitely, um, you, you don't have a choice. For me, at the end of the day, no, if you're concerned about people around you, yeah. and I'm very concerned about the people around me, you including feel, my grandchildren. You feel relieved and then, and you're happy. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, Neil, because when I went the first one, I was dreading it, but anyway, I said, right, I'll go ahead and see what happens. Okay. I was fine. Delighted and, for you. Okay. Honest to God, and I am too now. Thank God. Okay, let me talk to Jackie and also to Michael. But look after yourself, Phil. It's always nice to catch up. Michael, good morning. Uh, Line one. Michael. Uh, Good morning, Neil. You got the brown envelope with the harp on it. Well, it was a white envelope. Is it? I wouldn't know because I haven't got one. So it's a white envelope. So they're they're not dangerous ones. It was a revenue commissioner's envelope, yeah. Okay, they're usually brown, aren't they? Well, I don't get too many of them, but this was a white one, Revenue Commissioner on it. And I could imagine how some people might be tempted to bin it. But uh, <laughs> it had my it had my digital COVID certificate in it. And you think that maybe people who are um, receiving it might get a fright thinking it might be revenue looking for money. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why the revenue are involved, but anyway, I, I was Googling and Professor Google recently, and they have been roped in to assist in getting out these envelopes, apparently. Oh, so it actually, it is from the revenue commissioners that the cert comes? Well, it's generated by the HSE, but it would appear to have been posted by the revenue. All right. I, see, I don't know. I haven't seen one of the envelopes. I haven't got one. Did, did, does it say anything about the revenue commissioners on it, or is it just... The only harp. on the envelope, only on the envelope. It says it gives the revenue commissioner's address uh, in Irish and English. It looks like a normal revenue commissioner correspondence. But when you open it, there's a HSE generated certificate inside. Okay, let people be aware. Don't get a fright. It actually probably exactly. is. Don't t- bin it because it might be your search. Never, I would advise never, never to bin a letter from revenue because they don't go away. You're better off facing it. Rather than bidding yeah, it. Yeah, anyway, so how do you? So you have it now. Um, yep. That that would give you an element of freedom that you you know otherwise wouldn't have next week. How do you feel about that? Yes, it probably will. But I was expecting an email because I got vaccinated Parky Queef, and I understood that unless you were vaccinated by your GP or the chemist, you you got a, an email with the where you could easily scan it into your phone and carry the cert around in your phone. But when I got the uh, paper certificate, uh, I tried to scan it and I couldn't. It's just my phone kept saying no information. And they gave a number on the covering letter where you could ring to get help. I dialed the number about three or four times. I kept getting the message, number not recognized. Please check and dial again. So it's a little bit, it looks to me like the bit before the cart before the horse. They've issued the letters, they've issued everything, but there's no backup yet. Um, can you not just take a photograph of the QR code? Well, I, I did. Yes, I suppose I could, but you, you can also scan it. Apparently, I tried to scan it and uh, 
It just said, it, it recognised the scan, but it said there's no information. Now, I understand from listening to the news yesterday, later, that uh, they're going to update the COVID app to, to, to accommodate this. So you will be able to scan your, your, your paper certificate into your phone when they update. Well, you'd be handier than that than me. I wouldn't even know how to begin to, like, do, what do you do? Just to download a scanning app, is it? Uh, well, uh, you can, um, if you have an iPhone, you can just uh, focus in on something. And if it's a, a digitally generated... Uh, It'll read these, it. I don't know what they call it. It's supposed to be able to read, yes, yes. Yeah, well, I mean, I know that you can just take a photograph of the code because it's not—it's no different, I imagine, to say a boarding pass code. You know what I mean? You can take photographs yes, of those. Yes, I imagine so. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So you're looking forward to next week, then? What? What, what are you going to do? What you're going to use it to do? What? Well, probably go out for a meal, but I'd be slow to uh, use it. I think. I think they're jumping the gun a little myself with uh, opening up the hospitality. I mean, I feel for the people who are trying to run restaurants and bars and earn a living, raise a family and that, but um, uh, we have a nice bit of weather coming now. Let's enjoy it and sit out. Who'd want to go indoors anyway? Good point. Well made. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Cheers. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, Jackie, good morning. Good morning. Um, Discrimination. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the green, it's, it's obvious discrimination. You know, um, you've got to have a cert to prove you've had a vaccination. Or what if they put the word, you've got to prove that uh, you're a black person. How, you know, how, a discrimination is discrimination. I mean, Leo's telling us, I hope no one thinks it's discrimination. Well, telling us how to think now. It's blatantly obvious. He did say that. He did say that. And there are, there are those that believe... that we're stupid. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is it is discrimination. Why are they passing legislation to to protect people against discrimination? It's going down a very very dangerous road. This. So clearly, I'm reading that you are. I'm sensing from you that you're not going to get vaccinated. No, but that's not the point. Really, the discrimination is the point. Whether anyone chooses, there's lots of reasons people don't get vaccinated. There's people that can't get vaccinated. There's people who had the first jab, got so sick, they couldn't take the second jab. There's pregnant women who it's, it's untested. They just don't know. This vaccine is untested. None of us know the long-term effects. We're still in, we're still in phase three trials at the moment that don't finish till May 2023. But that information isn't given to people. Will you... Will you attempt to go indoors, say? No. No, you won't. Because there are others that say they will and that they'll sue if they're not left indoors. Well, that's down to them. But uh, in my my own principles, I couldn't support anyone that would stand up for that sort of discrimination. This sort of discrimination has been done before in Germany in the 1930s. Do you, do you, okay, so it's the, it's the untested vaccine. Do you accept that maybe indoor, do you believe that there is such thing as COVID and that it can be transmitted faster and more people can get it indoors? No. No, you don't believe, nothing of that. Okay. No. Yeah. No. You don't no, believe no, any no. of it. I think it's like, uh, yeah, and people are saying, oh, look, at, go back to January. What also coincided, what else happened in January? They started vaccinating people. There's no report of adverse side effects, of any deaths. I personally know three people that got shingles after the Pfizer vaccine. Mm. And I don't know a lot of people who got vaccinated. And that just wasn't coincidental or anything? You don't know? I mean, you're Absolutely not. not. Yeah. 
Absolutely. What, three neither, you, neither you nor I have medical backgrounds. I assume you don't, do you? Oh, I don't have a medical background, but I, I, I've got a pair of eyes and I've got a brain. Yeah, yeah. And you associate, you, you're, you're connecting the shingles with the vaccination. Three people, yeah. same, same vaccine. Yeah. One week later, they got shingles. How did that happen? That's a bit weird, don't you think? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the people you're talking about. I don't know, you know, whether it was I connected. Or- I don't know. Yeah, I know. But, no, I find that very, it's not coincidental. That's the way I see it. You know, how other people see it. But, like, my logical brain is still intact and it's still working. I think people have lost the ability to think logically anymore. They've been so brainwashed, they just stopped thinking for themselves. They haven't stood back and gone, hang on a minute. I'm going to have a think about this and think it's but, but vaccines, vaccines, vaccines since they were discovered and developed have saved many, many lives all over the world. I mean, you just I have don't to disagree you, with that. You just have I to look at disagree with that. Yeah, you have it's to look vaccine. at third world countries to see how effective they have been. Well, I don't disagree with that either. What I'm saying is this vaccine is untested. Okay. We are in clinical trials. It has been, it has been uh, authorized, not approved. Okay, let me get some more calls on the air and thank you for your contribution, Jackie. My daughter is 23 years old and because of her job, she got the first vaccine, which is Pfizer, on the 1st of July. She started bleeding last Monday, which was very heavy and had painful cramps. It was so bad she had to take a few days off from work. It's only now that it's easing off. She said she had never had it that bad. Um, this, this would be very, very heavy period like pain. Uh, Two girls working with her that got the vaccine on the same day got the same reaction. My daughter has been on contraception for the last five years and only gets a very, very light period. I jokingly said to her not to have sex just in case she could get pregnant. We Googled it and it seems it's only in the last few months that this is happening to a lot of women. I'm not anti-vaxxer. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I do believe there is COVID and I've got vaccinated. Anyone that was vaccinated were told about the side effects and most of us got it and recovered as in got the vaccine and recovered. We all accept that it was all part of it, but no one has ever heard about heavy, painful periods as being one of the side effects. This is very worrying. Will the vaccine stop the contraceptive from working? Could this affect the women's fertility or men's as well? Should young adults get vaccinated? I do hope this is not the case. Now that my, now my daughter doesn't know if she should take the second dose of the vaccine. It would be very interesting from now on when younger women from say 18 upwards get the vaccine. Will we see a high number of unusual periods? And that by email to neil at redfm.ie um, So I mean I'm trying to get as much balance and fairness to all people on as I can. It isn't always possible but I do endeavour to do the best I can. Just on another topic before I love you and leave you for the day um, and this is what's intriguing people. There's an announcement going to be made tomorrow and the 15th, Thursday, at 8 a.m. by Aiken Promotions. And I've just got caught up in this because we talk about, you know, gigs getting back and concerts getting back and live events and what have you. And I mentioned Secret Garden and the trial event with people separated inside and in the Opera House and what have you. Paul. Hello, Neil. Um, are you an Elton John fan? Oh, yes. So do you know, because we see the letter E and but, the yeah, Benny and the Jets... Well, what I, what I can tell you for definite is that that's his logo. Um, it's definitely the intro to Benny and the Jets. Um, I think it'll be early next summer because he's playing his UK gigs May, June next year. So, which is probably better again. Hopefully, we'll be back to normal. And it'll be great because he's a great performer. One of the best we'd see. So, could it be an announcement tomorrow of Elton John 
playing his gigs next summer, say, that were cancelled this year? Well, his gigs, uh, the, the world tour is, is actually on. It was uh, suspended because of COVID. That's what so I his, his UK gigs are rearranged for May, June next year. So, Was there a so, Dublin leg there as well? Uh, no, the Irish ones weren't announced. But um, seeing that he'll be so close to us, it'll definitely be May, May or June next year. Okay, so you think that it's... Is this a farewell tour? Uh, yeah, another one. <laughs> <laughs> so Brenda said, yeah. <laughs> like the Eagles, like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, yeah. He must be. He must be stuck for a few bob. So, what are you expecting tomorrow morning that Aiken will announce? Absolutely. Elton, Elton I'd, I'd John. I'd be shocked if it's not. Okay, well, we have a blast of Benny and the Jets for the heck oh, of it. Neil, I hope when the time comes, you give me a couple of tickets. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going into a tunnel. <laughs> I guess we'll know tomorrow morning, but it doesn't take Colombo to work out with the logo and the E and everything that there are. It's a carbon copy, one of the other, so it would appear to be Elton John, and no reason why not. He's only 74. There's a lot of juice left in the th- in the tank. Talking about ages of things, there was an incredible story that made the sun there recently. And- Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red oh, FM. Before I was rudely interrupted, the technology in the studio is telling me I may want to keep talking, but my time is actually up. I wanted to tell you a story about things getting on in age, not being necessarily a bad thing. I'll tell you in the morning. It's a great story regarding, say, for instance, unopened games or toys that you might have at home. You might think they're absolutely worthless, but if they're in the box and perfect, like this Super Mario 64, which sold recently, it's a 1996 game in the box. You mightn't think about it. You might have one at home. Sold recently for 1.3 million euro. There's what? other... Ex- yeah, 1.3 million. I didn't think my mic was open. 1.3 million. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It's amazing, actually. People do that. They buy stuff... To sell. Not to play, not to use. But that's kind of sad. But, I mean, it's amazing. I could, I could tell you loads more. There was a guy about 20 years ago bought a barrel of the Macallan whiskey. A barrel of okay. it. Right? He paid... What did he pay? He paid something like... Um, I don't know, six or seven thousand pounds sterling for it. Okay. He said he'd take a punt on it. Twenty years later, he sold the barrel of the Macallan whiskey for two hundred and fifty thousand oh euros. Okay, that's that, well. Okay, that's a good investment. But what about I have a load of board games in a monk's bench at home? <laughs> Are any of them worth anything? Can you tell me, or will you tell me in the morning? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's a website somewhere will tell you. But they must be perfect in the box, unopened, yeah. untouched. Well, they're not unopened, untouched. They have been played, worthless. and all the bits no, are there. Worthless. Are they? No, ah. these have to be. Pristine. Don't even start on people who collect runners, particularly Air Jordan and stuff like that. As in like joggers, runners. Runners? Runners, yeah. Okay. Runners. It's astonishing. I wish yeah. I had more time, but I got to go. Okay, talk to you Over tomorrow. Over to you. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.